Today's story session features that classic tale where an oblivious little girl faces off with a wolf who is really overthinking his plan here. That's right, we're getting into the original version of Little Red Riding Hood, titled Little Red Cap. My name is Zach Stewart, and these are the Shadow Bear Story Sessions. Welcome to the Shadow Bear Story Sessions, the podcast about how folk tales and fairy tales were way more fun and entertaining back when they were completely dark and totally insane before anyone decided they needed to be family friendly. And so here at Shadow Bear, we're going through the original versions of Grimm's fairy tales from front to back, and at the end of each episode, I will adapt the story into a riveting tale for the modern age. So let's not waste any time. We're getting into the original version of Little Red Riding Hood here, which was originally titled Little Red Cap. So I guess there wasn't a hood, it was maybe a beret, or a baseball cap. Who knows? We begin. Once upon a time, there was a sweet little maiden. Whoever laid eyes upon her couldn't help but love her, but it was her grandmother who could never give the child enough. One day, she made her a present, a small red velvet cap, and since it was so becoming, and the maiden always wanted to wear it, people only called her Little Red Cap. One day, her mother said to her, Come, Little Red Cap, take this piece of cake and bottle of wine and bring them to your grandmother. She's sick and weak, and this will strengthen her. Be nice and good and greet her from me. Go directly there and don't stray from the path. Otherwise, you'll fall and break the glass, and your grandmother will get nothing. So grandmother is sick, and they're giving her cake and an entire bottle of wine. That's not a get-well-soon package. That's a it's-Christmas-let's-get-drunk package. Also, zero trust in this little girl. If she strays from the past, she'll just trip and break everything. We continue. Little Redcap promised to obey her mother. Well, the grandmother lived out in the forest, half an hour from the village, and as soon as Little Redcap entered the forest, she encountered the wolf. Half an hour isn't really that far. However, Little Redcap didn't know what a wicked sort of animal he was, and was not afraid of him. How has she never come across a wolf, or never even heard about a wolf? Especially if she lives this close to the woods. This is an oblivious ill-prepared little girl here. Anyway, good day, little Redcap, he said. He knows her name? Lots of lots of stuff being glossed over here. He knows her name, apparently. Thank you kindly, wolf. So she does know he's a wolf. This is all over the board. I'm sorry, I'm, I'm getting too in the weeds here. Skipping a lot of beats. None of this makes sense. Let's just charge ahead, shall we? Good day, little Redcap, he said. Thank you kindly, wolf. Where are you going so early, little red cap? To grandmother's. What are you carrying under your apron? Cake and wine. My grandmother's sick and weak, and yesterday we baked this cake so it will help her get well. Where does your grandmother live, little red cap? Okay, too many specific questions, wolf. Especially if this is a stranger. Come on, little red cap. She answered about a quarter of an hour from here. In the forest, her house is under the three big oak trees. 
You can tell it by the hazel bushes, said Little Red Cap. That is so close, 15 minutes away. And she tells the wolf exactly how to find it, like how to tell he's in the right place and everything. If this little girl is this stupid, then she's too stupid to be out in the woods alone doing this delivery. Come on, Mom. The wolf thought to himself, What a juicy morsel she'll be for me. Now how am I going to catch her? Then he said, Listen, little redcap, haven't you seen the beautiful flowers growing in the forest? Why don't you look around? I believe you haven't even noticed how lovely the birds are singing. You march along as if you were going straight to school in the village, and yet it's so delightful out here in the woods. Little Redcap looked around and saw that the sun had broken through the trees and that the woods were full of beautiful flowers. So she thought to herself, if I'd bring Grandmother a bunch of flowers, she'd certainly like that. It's still early, and I'll arrive on time. So she plunged into the woods to look for flowers, and each time she plucked one, she thought she saw another even prettier flower and ran after it, going deeper and deeper into the forest. But the wolf went straight to the grandmother's house and knocked at the door. Who's there? Little Redcap, I've brought you some cake and wine. Open up. A little pushy there at the end with the open up. Just lift the latch, the grandmother called. I'm too weak and can't get up. Ooh, she's in rough shape. She can't even get out of bed. She shouldn't be eating cake and wine then. The wolf lifted the latch and the door sprang open. Then he went straight to the grandmother's bed and gobbled her up. Next, he took her clothes, put them on along with her nightcap, lay down in her bed, and drew the curtains. They never understood this part of the plan. Why doesn't he just eat Little Redcap in the woods? Just eat her first, then eat the cake and wine. Because, you know, he's not going to want some wine. You're going through the forest on a nice day. And then just take your damn time getting to Grandma's house to eat her. Easy. Too convoluted. Too convoluted of a plan. Also, he's a wolf. He has the right idea when he just goes straight in and eats the grandmother. Why does he need this messed up, convoluted disguise? Just wait there. Little Red Cap arrives. Eat her. You don't need this trickery. Maybe this wolf is just the dramatic type, and he likes the theatrics of tricking his, his prey before he eats them. Who knows? In any event, meanwhile, Little Red Cap had been running around and looking for flowers, and only when she had as many as she could carry did she continue on the way to her grandmother. She was puzzled when she found the door open, and as she entered the room, it seemed so strange inside that she thought, Oh my god, how frightened I feel today. And usually I like to be at grandmother's. See, those are your instincts. Listen to your instincts. Then she went to the bed and drew back the curtains. There lay her grandmother with her cap pulled down over her face, giving her a strange appearance. Oh, Grandmother, what big ears you have. The better to hear you with. Oh, Grandmother, what big eyes you have. The better to see you with. Oh, Grandmother, what big hands you have. The better to grab you with. Wolves don't have hands. That should be your tip-off right there. You run your, ha your hands along the paws. as feel nothing like hands. Oh, Grandmother, what a terribly big mouth you have. The better to eat you with. No sooner did the wolf say that 
Then he jumped out of bed and gobbled up poor little Redcap. Alright, she has plenty of time and plenty of hints to realize what's going on here, but she never even seems close to coming come to the conclusion. Even though she just talked with the wolf minutes earlier, we know exactly how much, 15 minutes earlier, maybe 20, maybe 25 if she took a particularly long time getting these flowers. How does she not recognize the wolf by voice at least? This wolf must be a master of mimicry. The grandma somehow believed that the wolf was a little girl, and the little girl somehow believed that the wolf was a little old lady. Now, I've never heard a wolf speak, but I doubt they sound like a little girl or a little old lady. However, it would be phenomenal if they did. So I would love to see that. First, be like, wow, a talking wolf. But then I'd be like, damn, you know, I thought... A talking wolf would be super badass, but the coolness is kind of undercut by the fact that it sounds like a nine-year-old girl, or a tiny, sick, elderly woman. In any event, should have been a tip-off. And terribly big mouth. Snout. Do you mean snout? Because wolves have, like, giant snouts. Tip-off, Earl. She doesn't even seem to realize it. She probably got eaten and was just like, man, Grandma's acting super weird today. Another instance of this little girl being totally oblivious and not at all capable of carrying out a delivery like this. We continue. After the wolf had the fat chunks in his body, they just refer to little Redcap and her grandmother as fat chunks? Man, that is harsh. He lay down in bed again, fell asleep, and began to snore very loudly. The huntsman happened to be passing by the house and thought to himself, the way the old woman's snoring, you'd better see if something's wrong. He went into the room, and when he came to the bed, he saw the wolf lying in it. He had been searching for the wolf for a long time, and thought that the beast had certainly eaten the grandmother. Perhaps she can still be saved, he said to himself. I won't shoot. Why would you think that? Why would you think they could still be saved? They can't be saved. They're in a stomach, getting dissolved by stomach acid. So he took some scissors and cut open the wolf's belly. After he made a couple of cuts, he saw the little red cap shining forth. And after he made a few more cuts, the girl jumped out and exclaimed, Oh, how frightened I was. It was so dark in the wolf's body. That was what frightened her? The fact that it was dark? Come on, little red cap. Soon the grandmother emerged alive. Little red cap quickly fetched some large, heavy stones, and they filled the wolf's body with them. When he awoke and tried to run away, the stones were so heavy that he fell down at once and died. How did he survive this surgery with the scissors? This wolf was such a heavy sleeper that he was literally cut open while sleeping. Two people jumped outside of him. A bunch of stones were loaded into his stomach. And only then, presumably, possibly even much later, they might have been waiting around for him to wake up as he just slept obliviously bleeding out onto the floor. Then he stood up and died. I don't know why he would die if he can have two fully alive humans inside of him. A few stones shouldn't be much difficulty. In any event, all three were delighted. I'm guessing the grandmother probably wasn't super delighted because now she had a bunch of wolf blood all over her cottage. The huntsman skinned the fur from the wolf. The grandmother ate the cake and drank the wine that Little Red Cap had brought, 
And Little Redcap thought to herself, Never again will you stray from the path by yourself and go into the forest when your mother has forbidden it. That's the lesson she took from this? Don't go off the path? She only strayed from the path to gather flowers after she had already told the wolf how to find and eat her grandmother. And that her grandmother was super vulnerable. She basically served up her grandma on a silver platter prior to ever going off the path. Straying from the path to get flowers is not what caused the trouble. It's not like anything would have been solved if after talking with the wolf she'd said, no flowers today, I'm just going to go straight there. That wouldn't have solved anything. The wolf still could have easily outrun her and still eaten the grandmother. Or just eaten Little Red Cap right there and then eaten the grandmother. Not straying from the path does nothing, absolutely nothing, to fend off this murderous wolf. There are so many better lessons to take from this story, like don't tell strangers where the family lives, or be more aware and skeptical, just like in general, so that you'll notice if your grandmother looks and sounds like the fucking wolf that you just talked to. Or don't tell strangers that your grandmother who lives alone is super weak and sick. Or... I should bring some type of hatchet or self-defense weapon when I go into the woods from now on. Or, I was easily tricked by a wolf. I must be pretty dumb and should probably have my guard up a little more. There's so many lessons she could take from this that are actually applicable to what happened. But now she's like, none of this would have happened if I hadn't picked those flowers. No, little redcap. No. Also, fun fact, this is the second story where a wolf has been cut open while asleep and had stones put into its stomach. Happened in an earlier story. About a bunch of, I think it was about a bunch of sheep. It was a good one. But yeah, recurring theme here. Wolves are heavy sleepers. Because in both of the stories, the wolf is just asleep. It's not knocked out or incapacitated in any way. Just asleep. Which, to be honest, sets unrealistic expectations for how deep sleepers wolves or animals in general are. So if you're a kid, you're raised on these stories, and you come across a sleeping wolf in the wild, it's like centuries ago, you'd be like, well, I know wolves are super dangerous when they're awake, but when they're asleep, they're basically impossible to wake up. So no problems here. Might as well throw some stones at it for fun and skip on by. Now there's an alternate, and I don't know if this is an alternate ending. No, it's like a continuation of the story. A part two. I never knew there was a part two to Little Red Riding Hood, but let's get into it. It's also been told that Little Red Cap returned to her grandmother one day to bring some baked goods. Another wolf spoke to her and tried to entice her to leave the path, but this time Little Red Cap was on her guard. Finally, she went straight ahead and told her grandmother that she had seen the wolf, that he had wished her good day, but that he had had such a mean look in his eyes that he would have eaten me if we hadn't been on the open road. Come, said the grandmother, we'll lock the door so he can't get in. Soon after, the wolf knocked and cried out, Open up, grandmother, it's Little Redcap and I've brought you some baked goods. But they kept quiet and didn't open the door. So the wicked wolf circled the house several times and finally jumped on top of the roof. He wanted to wait till evening when Little Red Cap would go home. How does he know that they're in there? 
They were they just shut the door and were super quiet. Unexplained. He intended to sneak after her and eat her up in the darkness. But the grandmother realized what he had in mind. In front of the house was a big stone trough, and she said to the child, Fetch the bucket, little redcap. I cooked sausages yesterday. Get the water they were boiled in and pour it into the trough. Little redcap kept carrying the water until she had filled the big, big trough. Then the smell of sausages reached the nose of the wolf. He sniffed and looked down. Finally, he stretched his neck so far that he could no longer keep his balance on the roof. He began to slip from the roof and fell right into the big trough and drowned. Then Little Redcap went happily and safely to her home. Well, part one of the story was basically exactly like the Little Red Riding Hood that we all know and love. This part two, I get why we're less familiar with this part two, because this is just nonsense. First off, if the little girl just went straight there, wolves are faster than a small child. The wolf could have gotten there before her easily, even if she hadn't gotten sidetracked with flowers this time. Although it is a little encouraging to see her be a little more on guard with the wolf this time. But there are some problems with this plan and this solution. So they, they know that the wolf is waiting on the roof to eat the little girl when she leaves. And the grandma's plan is go outside and fill the trough with sausage water? Let's be real. Grandma is definitely trying to sacrifice Little Redcap here. She's just sending her outside. Also, how many sausages did she make that the water fills up this big, big trough? How is this even a plan? Go outside and pour sausage water into the trough? Okay, Grandma. Then what? How does that solve our problem? Because the wolf falling off the roof straight into the trough and then drowning is so coincidental that there's no way they could possibly have planned for that. Wolves can swim, first of all. Wolves can swim, so it wouldn't drown. And this trough would have to be massive to even fit an entire wolf inside of it. So it would have taken forever for Little Redcap to fill it with a single bucket. She would have been going back and forth, back and forth forever. And the wolf could have jumped down at any time and eaten her. I don't know why they're so confident that this wolf will not eat a child or anyone in open, open, open air, open on the open road, near the cottage. Why? Why, why is that a thing? Could have jumped down any time. And the smell of sausage water would have just made it hungrier. And then there's the little girl right there, and there's no sausages. Obviously, it's just water. So the obvious thing to eat is the little girl. I don't know why they're so confident. She was just out by that trough for ages, going back and forth. Which again begs the question, how much sausage water do you have? I guess that's a thing. She's like boiling the sausages in the sausage water and then just holding it. You'd think that would be attracting wild animals like crazy if she just has the smell of sausages radiating from the outside of her house. This is just, this is chaos. But all right, what are, what are the lessons here? Well, clearly they intend for the lesson to be don't stray from the path, which is a fine lesson and a good one to teach kids, but this story does a horrible job of teaching it. Anyone hearing this story would reasonably be left thinking, firstly, don't talk to strangers, and definitely don't tell them where I or my vulnerable, weak, sick family members live. And secondly, 
I should probably have some type of self-defense because Little Red Riding Hood and her grandmother have literally no way of defending themselves from the wolf. I don't think sausage water is a viable defensive tactic, especially when you literally have to go outside in harm's way to get to the, to the sausage water to, to enact that plan. This is not a home defense system. And in the first story, it's pure luck that the husband came along. And it's also pure luck that the wolf didn't wake up when he was cut open. So yeah, the real lessons are be wary of strangers. Don't tell that stranger shit about your own life or your vulnerable loved ones. And secondly, there are some malicious people out there. So be prepared to defend yourself and your house. Don't leave it up to sausage water. But Little Red Riding Hood doesn't seem to learn any of these lessons. So if anything, this is a cautionary tale. Don't be like Little Red Riding Hood. The end. Alright, let's adapt this. The last few adaptations have gone pretty pretty dark. They bought, they've been modern day, and they've been pretty dark, and they were pretty gritty. Let's have something a little, a little more lighthearted, a little more to the original tone. Not necessarily tone, but the original setting of the story. So we're going to have same same time period, same sort of setting, cottage in the woods. But the wolf is actually a drifter. It's a drifter and a storyteller who happens across a cottage in the woods. Let's say this wolf character, the drifter, is played by Bobby Lee, stand-up comedian Bobby Lee. So the drifter, he's walking around in the woods and he sees a cottage and he sees a, a still next to the cottage. You know, a still like you used to make liquor because... Nana likes a good drink. And so he thinks, well, they must be doing quite well at this cottage. And he knocks on the door and finds an old woman, played by, say played by Kathy Bates, living alone. And the woman looks terribly sick and ill. And he asks if she has anyone to care for her. But she says, no, my only family lives far away and they won't be visiting for some time. And so the drifter, he actually takes care of the old woman for weeks and and then months, and at some point they're visited by the, the roaming huntsman, who in this story is kind of like the ranger in the area. He keeps an eye on things. He'll be played by, say, Daniel Kaluuya, who has the right sort of regal, authoritative look. Like, I believe he's a ranger badass in the woods. Anyway, he visits and sees Bobby taking care of Kathy Bates, and he talks with them, and initially he's skeptical of Bobby's intentions, but they talk, and... Kathy Bates is very happy and enjoys his company, and so Daniel is like, oh, all right, well, thank you for caring her, but I'm, I'm keeping my eye on you. So Bobby Lee and Kathy Bates develop a friendship, and after a couple of months, the, the old woman thanks Bobby Lee very kindly, saying that she doesn't think she's long for this world, but his care and his company have filled her her last months with warmth and laughter. And Bobby Lee keeping her in good spirits, and then Kathy Bates passes away, and he buries her with a great reverence and respect, and sets out once again. So the drifter then crosses paths with a young woman. Not a little girl. I don't want to deal with a little Red Riding Hood person. It's just a young woman, played by, let's say, Chloe Grace Moretz. She's good. So Chloe is the old woman's granddaughter, and her grandmother is ill. She knows, and she says, my grandmother's ill, but we live far away and can only visit her once a year or so, so... Going to visit her and deliver a carriage full of food and supplies for the coming year. And Bobby sees this carriage filled with food and, and supplies, maybe money as well. And he gets the idea that if he can beat her back to the cottage and convince her that he's the grandmother, then she'll leave him with all that food and supplies and the money. And he'll be set for at least a year, probably longer, since he's used to living off so much, so much less. And so 
Probably distracts Chloe with a nearby field of flowers. We'll use that, the flowers thing. Suggests she picks some for her grandmother. And Chloe does this, and Bobby slips back into the forest, and he just starts starts sprinting through the forest. Just picturing Bobby Lee running and then and then like just stopping against a tree and, and panting heavily and then starting to sprint again. So finally he stumbles up to the cottage, he's super out of breath, bur- bursts his way, bumbles his way into the cottage, tripping on something. Puts on Kathy Bates' clothes, puts on a bunch of makeup, puts a little old lady hat on, gets some dirt, it shoves it in a couple sacks and shoves those into his dress for like fake boobs. And he lays in the bed to wait for to wait for little Red Riding Hood. And so Chloe Grace Moretz arrives and is like, Hi, Grandma. And Bobby's like, Hey, little Red, how's it going? You look great. And Chloe's like, You look terrible, Granny. And Bobby coughs a bunch and he's like, Oh, little red, you have no idea. I'm I'm real sick, little red, real sick. Oh, it's so bad. My voice has gone all gravelly. My face swelled up. I can hardly get around. Oh, little red. Yo, but the, but thanks for the supplies. It's, it's good, good. It's nice of you to stop by. Okay, goodbye then. Thank you. Chloe's like, my goodness, I had no idea it was this bad. I I have to stay and take care of you for a while to make sure you're well enough before I head back home. Then Bobby's like, no, no, you don't, you don't have to do that, really. I'm, I'm fine. But Chloe insists, of course. And so the next few days is just Bobby Lee laying there trying to convince Chloe Grace Moretz that he's her grandmother. She begins getting real skeptical, but since Bobby knew Kathy Bates super well, he knows things about about the family and all this stuff that he can slip into conversation, so it keeps her unsure. And then Daniel Kaluuya shows up, and he trots up on his horse, and he sees Chloe outside. And he's like, good to see you. How's your grandmother doing? And Chloe's like, not well at all, actually. She's she's terribly ill. And so Daniel goes in, and he recognizes Bobby, but he doesn't call him out right away. Instead, he plays along. And then he goes to get some water from the well with Chloe, and he's like, hey, I, I, I have to tell you something. That's not, that's not your grandmother in there. And she's like, I knew it. He just, he just looked so feminine. He had so much, so much like an old woman. I couldn't be sure. Daniel's like... You're right. It's actually pretty impressive. Gotta give, gotta give him some credit. But he was actually here with your grandmother previously. Chloe is like, do you think he killed grandma? And Daniel says, I was suspicious of him and I'm still not sure. But the last time I was here, your grandmother was still alive. So regardless, this act he's putting on, trying to take your grandmother's cottage and her food and supplies, it's still wrong. No matter what, it's still wrong that he's trying to deceive us. But let's not just go in and bust him right away. Let's, let's have some fun with him first. So then they go in and they just start messing with, with Bobby Lee. Like Chloe gives him a hug and is like, Grandma, your breasts are really hard. What's, what's going on there? Bobby's like, what's a rude thing to say to your grandmother? Things happen when you get old. What do you want me to say? And then they're like, would you like us to help you with a bath? I'm sure it would make you feel better to have a bath. But Bobby's like, no, no, bath. I, I don't want a bath. I'll just stay here. And then they're like, you, you look much more masculine than I remember, Grandma. Is that, is that a little mustache? And Bobby's like, how dare you? I am a sick old woman in bed, and all you can do is criticize my, my breasts and my mustache. You should be ashamed of yourself. So they mess with Bobby Lee a bunch, and finally he's caught out and revealed. And he comes clean, and then they're like, how dare you take Grandma's place? What did you do to her? Bobby's like, I took care of her. She was sick and I took care of her because nobody else was going to. 
I'm a drifter and a storyteller, and when I knocked on the door, she was kind to me. And when I saw how sick and alone she was, she told me her family lived so far away, I thought, well, nobody should have to, to die alone like this, so I took care of her. You didn't take care of her, Chloe Grace Moretz, and neither did you, Daniel Kaluuya. I held her hand as she passed away, and, and then I buried her with respect and dignity. And then I went back on to drifting, on to the next place. But when I passed, I passed you on the trail with all those supplies. I thought maybe I'd stumbled into an opportunity to, to get a reward for the time I spent caring for your grandmother. You had all those supplies, and you were prepared to part with them. So I thought, why should, shouldn't they go to me, since your grandmother doesn't need them anymore? Isn't that what she would want? Before she passed away, she told me she wished she could repay my kindness and care, and here I thought maybe this coincidence was her giving me that repayment, and I'm, I'm just a drifter with hardly a belonging on earth, and that food and supplies would, would last me years, and it was all I could think to do. Granted, it wasn't a perfect plan, as you're now seeing, but it was all I could think. So Daniel Kaluuya is like, I'll admit, when I saw the two of them together, your grandmother seemed very happy to have his company. He was taking good care of her. I, I think I believe him. Chloe says, well, while I'm still upset that you tried to deceive me, I can't help but feel grateful that you were here with Granny in, in her final days. I wish I could have been, but, but you had no obligation to care for her, and you did. So that's worthy of repayment in my book. The food and the supplies are yours, and... I suppose there's nobody living here now. If you'd like to stay in the cottage, you're, you're welcome to. And I think Nana Kathy Bates would be most pleased about that. And so Bobby Lee lives happily in the cottage, and Chloe goes back home and visits occasionally, and Bobby Lee and Daniel Kaluuya become good friends, and Daniel visits him at the cottage often, and they always pour a couple of drinks from the still and give a little toast to sweet old Nana Kathy Bates. The... And so there we go. That is my take on Little Red Cap. I like really, I mean, it, Little Red Cap definitely doesn't roll off the tongue quite as nicely as Little Red Riding Hood. It's quainter though, it's more the original style, so I'm gonna stick with that. And that will do it for this week's episode. Thank you so much for listening. Please rate, review, subscribe, all that stuff really helps us out. I know you've got your own adaptation ideas as well. You can send those to me over on Twitter or Instagram. I am terrible at social media. I do not check them often, but if you send those to me, I'm all over it. I'd love to check them out. And you can also check out the website, ShadowBearStorySessions.com. You can donate there. You can also send some feedback or suggestions. And come on back next week for a story titled Death and the Goose Boy. That is Death and the goose boy i have no idea what that is about but i cannot wait so i will see you next week for that one my name is Zach stewart and these are the shadow bear story sessions